0: Hello, Blockbites. It's me, Corval here today, and I got a special surprise guest and fan favorite, Nick Drake on here with me today. We're going to be talking about BlackRock, ETFs, institutional moves into Bitcoin, and we're going to talk about kind of this emerging narrative and what we really make of it. We're going to talk about Kyle Davies' return, and we're going to talk about Binance kind of flubbing around. Uh, also, Drake going to key us in on his wonderful Twitter thread on how he makes money in any market. So stick around, folks. It's going to be fantastic. I'll see you in the show. Emmett, take me out of here, dude. Exponential is a powerful new investment platform that helps users discover, assess, and invest in DeFi all in one place. Using their own original research, the Exponential team curates the hottest yields in DeFi. They make doing your own research a breeze with over 800 top-notch reports that cover risk for pools, protocols, and tokens. And with their investing platform, they allow you to enter or exit pools across the chains in one click without having to worry about gas fees or bridges. Click the link below to get early access today. Hello, gentlemen, welcome to the show. How are you all feeling today? Bebis, Drake, you're, you're a little scary right there, dude. <laughs> 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 yeah, good, I, I got the today. The market's been pumping pretty nicely. Bitcoin's up like 10% or something. Really? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at crypto bubbles, and it's all green, baby. That's awesome. Spring Green day.
1: Green day for sure. Uh, let me apologize in advance for my um, dinosaur-sounding voice. Um, I, I've got a bit of a blocked nose little bit under the weather, um, but apart from that, I feel great.
0: Oh, dude. Well, I'm glad you feel great, but I'm sorry that you're feeling under the weather. Is it too much sunshine for you, dude? <laughs> too much <laughs> sunshine a, in my it, eyes. It's
1: just, it's just a blocked nose. I don't know if it's allergies, but um, I, I can function. Other than I sound, um, I, I sound silly. That's all. Nice. I've been moving, so my back is basically like blown out right now.
0: Wow, I've got two awesome. injured injured guests today, and I'm forcing them to work with me. Um, can't be more excited. Yeah, guys, I think uh, you know it's been a pretty interesting week. You know, it's been like a it feels like it's been a real roller coaster of emotions. You know, the, the thing I always see when I first entered crypto is that meme of the the Bitcoin going up and down on a roller coaster, and that's really what's felt like for me a roller coaster of emotions. We're getting lawsuits, massive lawsuits. One week, next week, we're getting BlackRock uh, launching an ETF and every other bank in the world seemingly to follow suit. Uh, wh- wh- how, do, how do you guys feel about this? Do you guys think that the, this ETF is really going to amount to anything? Also, I guess first we should explain, for those that don't know, what is an ETF really, right?
2: Well, um, I know an ETF is an exchange-traded fund. It's a really tax-efficient mm-hmm. way to access uh, like a professional money manager. Nick probably knows about a hundred
1: times more than I do. That's uh that 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 that's, a, that's basic. Look, as it relates to crypto, the relevance of the ETF is that because the ETF is traded on um, the New York Stock Exchange or the Nasdaq or wherever they happen mm. to list, it is now accessible for people to buy in their retirement accounts. Right? Mm. Um, it makes it easy for people to get in and out of of uh, uh, Bitcoin or, or, or any other digital asset. And, and you know, sure, you can open a Binance account or you can open a Coinbase account, but the majority of the US population doesn't do that. So that's the relevance of it, is that it allows for um, normies to get in and out of Bitcoin um, the same way that they would get in and out a share of Apple. Mm-hmm. And and with the ETF structure, that, that, that means that you could have a basket of digital assets, maybe you've got a Bitcoin an you and, and an Ethereum um, uh, vehicle. So what it does is it increases the universe of opportunity for normies to buy something. And that's why you see a lot of this bullish rhetoric around why this is such a big deal it was a much bigger deal, maybe a couple of years ago, um, where news like this may have doubled Bitcoin's price, right, it would have been extremely major. My problem with it is the following. Um, the folks that say that anyone that wanted to buy Bitcoin over the last two years has found a way to do it as a result (laughs) by listing an ETF um, who's left. That's going to buy it, right? Like, and, Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of incomplete. Um, What I actually think is going to happen is not that people that want to buy it now have easier ways to buy it. Is that who's going to buy it? Who wants to buy Bitcoin right now? If you're not in this industry, What have you been hearing for the last 18 months? What Mm -hmm. have you been hearing for the last 30 days? So I don't think the challenge is easy avenues for for normies to get in and out. Mm -hmm. It is cleansing the negativity out of the space, getting some closure on all these Pandora's boxes that have been opened and, and instilling some confidence in Bitcoin, Ethereum and the rest of the space as a viable investment asset class that demonstrates valuable, you know, properties. Like you need to, if you going to buy something, mm-hmm. there needs to be a reason that you're buying it. If you're not in the Bitcoin, if you're not in, 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 in Web3 right now, why the hell are you buying Bitcoin? <laughs> it, it, hasn't, yeah. it hasn't delivered on the investment, on, on, on the inflation hedge narrative. It hasn't delivered on corporations putting it on their balance sheet narrative. It hasn't delivered on nation states putting it on their balance sheet. It hasn't delivered on this litany of um, of, of narratives that normal people would have heard in the bull market, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the three of us know a little bit better. We can discuss the nuance. We understand that there is a deeper conversation to have, and there is some value um, in, in what's happening in Web3. But if you're a normie and all you're seeing is headlines, you're like, I'm not going to buy that shit, Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I suppose you're right. I, I think though, kind of like what you're saying though, since it's an ETF, right, uh, or a trust. I heard some people, I saw some people on Twitter arguing about the difference between the two, but it's it's pretty much the same. It's just they're holding the asset in trust for you. Um, it, it's kind of opening the door more to like you were saying, like an in like a investment funds or retirement funds that would not have had access to this to, to Bitcoin exposure previously, right? So theoretically it could, you know, that's a lot of money. That's that's like most of the invested money in, in America at least is in retirement funds. But like you're saying, I guess Nick, it, do they even want to? Like would a would a <laughs> would a well, good investment manager really want to buy Bitcoin over say uh, Walmart or no,
1: uh, you, you make a good point. <clears throat> right. And and it doesn't need to be new entrance into the market right there are Mm -hmm. enough people already in the market that have had access to these assets and believe in them you know to a certain extent and they might look at that price and think hey this is bullish and maybe they've exhausted their investable capital outside of the retirement fund but now they've got a retirement fund it's 300k in there and now they're saying well i'm going to put 20 percent of that in bitcoin so you're absolutely right that there should be some inflows from existing market participants that had this capital locked up and they were restricted from buying Bitcoin or and, and now they have an easy way to do it. So absolutely that's a thing. You're, you're 100% correct. But, yeah, my point around new entrants into the space, the fact that they can now do it doesn't necessarily mean they will. Not today, but obviously that being there can't be a negative, right? Um, yeah. But the industry's got a lot of work to do to clean clean up its own. For
2: yeah, sure. I'm, I'm kind of like curious if there are like quantitative analysts somewhere like you know at the BlackRock trading desk or at Goldman Sachs or at all of these companies that are starting to wiggle around in crypto and I wonder if they're looking at the you know pattern the okay we've got the Bitcoin having coming up six months till the halving is in October um you know historically and you know i think the main argument against this is bitcoin's never operated in a bear market you know like the the same patterns have been happening because market conditions have been relatively similar um but you know if you're a quant doing some pattern matching um you can kind of see okay you know maybe there's a reason to accumulate uh up until you know this six months till having point maybe a little bit beyond that and and wait to see what happens because I mean to be honest like blackrock has a lot of bitcoin on its balance sheet it has a lot of micro strategy on its balance sheet and a lot for them like they have a lot of everything you know Mm -hmm. um so that that's not saying a, a ton but i mean you know these these players are intelligent enough that you know of course markets are going to trend downward of course markets are going to trend upward they're not going to be lost in the six month to one year timeframe that a lot of the people on, for example, crypto Twitter are, um, they're going to be looking for patterns across the entire life cycle of of the asset. So, and, and they have enough capital to paint charts at the end of the day. So it's like, if they want to make money, they can figure out how to make money. Um, So I, I, you know, and the, the part of me that's like, okay, you know, maybe uh, there's even more to this, like, what if, and don't Are take serious? this seriously, but what if BlackRock is weaponizing the SEC uh, or or the broader financial industry is weaponizing the SEC
1: uh, to get a lower bid on Bitcoin.
0: Mm-hmm. Um so, I,
1: that that's half of that is right. The other half is ridiculous. <laughs> it's right. um, I don't want
0: I'm eager to hear which half. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the SEC the, part want, is
2: totally on point. The rest is just you know whatever. They don't want to buy
1: your cheap Bitcoin. They don't care. Um, they they're looking to make a spread. They're looking to make you know they're in the business of facilitating trading. Um, mm-hmm. But but I get sometimes I get somewhat frustrated on Twitter when when I hear these takes from somewhat serious people who under normal circumstances are quite intelligent come up with this you know this conspiracy theory like it's conspiratorial that um the industry the incumbent industry um is is going to play dirty to hinder upcoming you know uh uh competition and upstarts that want to eat their lunch like Mm -hmm. that this is some kind of you know it's them against us it's not fair like wake the fuck up that's how (laughs) business works right that is exactly how business works If you think that, you know, there are very few masters of the universe, right? Gary Gensley is not one of them, okay? But Ken Griffith, Larry Fink, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Steve Schwartzman, these guys are the masters of the universe. They press a button, shit happens, right? So to think that these guys have been sitting back for the last few years, just thinking of, you know, uh, sitting on their yachts, not really strategizing about how they can get a piece of this potentially trillion-dollar industry, multi-trillion-dollar industry, is is nuts to me. Of course, they're moving pieces around the chessboard. Of course, they've got, you know, contacts at the SEC. Of course, they're going to try and outplay the incumbents. Where I get frustrated is the the leaders in our industry spend all their time on Twitter complaining and whining and talking about how much money they're going to raise in a super PAC where the real players, you don't hear from them right? The real players are out there uh, moving and shaking. And of course, they're going to take their piece of the pie. So, um, you know, it's uh, if, if you believe that the US <laughs> government and Gary Gensler um, are against the crypto industry, then, you know, why would you not? Why doesn't it? Why doesn't it follow that Griffin and Schwarzman and Fink are also trying to get their piece of the pie? Absolutely. Yeah. Of course, they are. And I think they've played it perfectly. Right. They waited to destabilize or let the incumbents blow themselves up, being Binance and, and, and Coinbase. Mm-hmm. Um, right. They've waited for that negative press to come out. You know, they didn't just write these ETF applications. They've been ready. Right. How many have been filed? Is it like a dozen?
0: Yeah, it's like a dozen.
1: <laughs> so, you know, they were just waiting for the shoe to drop. They were waiting mm-hmm. for the SEC to to, to show their hand and say, right, we have two problems with your business. Number one is you're selling unregistered securities. Here's a list of a dozen of them. And if you are selling unregistered securities, then your entire business model is illegal because you're commingling the functions of broker-dealer, exchange, and clearinghouse altogether. You can't do that. So what does EDX do? They say, we're going to trade four assets, which aren't on that list, and we're not going to co functions. We're going to be the exchange, analogous to how the NASDAQ works. And we're going to be a B2B infrastructure to broker dealers. And then we're going to set up a separate entity. That's going to be a clearinghouse, And we're going to do it the exact way that the SEC has told you not to do it. So, you know, Uh, it is what it is. So
0: it's kind of like a, a wait and see approach. They were just waiting to see what the most efficient time was to make maybe a move and make it public. Correct. Like, Uh, I think a thing that a lot of us kind of overlook, especially in crypto Twitter, my fellow DGens, is uh, the time frame uh, that we are imagining for everything to occur. Right. Uh, There's a lot of get rich quick feelings on Twitter. And, uh, you know, if you're thinking of, say, BlackRock or, you know, Deutsche Bank or, you know, any any large institution, they're not thinking of it in like uh, like Buse was saying six months to a year. They're not so desperate that they need to make like a million dollars <laughs> by, you know, even if They've five got rent years. covered,
2: bro.
1: They're, yeah, they're they got rent like, covered. They have $10 <laughs> trillion dollars
0: under management. They're trying to just oh, keep things
1: it's, it's, steady. It's more, it's more egregious than that, right? When mm-hmm. you're at that scale, um, it's not like, you know, the three of us going into business. We might have one or two bullets to fire, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's got to work. These guys, whatever industry pops up, they spray, right? They they try and get involved in every industry and they see what sticks. If they get into this space and it ends up being a zero, they couldn't care less, right? Because mm. they've got 143 other bets in other areas. Yeah. So that's how they operate. It's not, we need to go in this because we believe in it and we think it's going to succeed. No, maybe we can make some money. If we don't, that's fine. We shut up shop and move to the next narrative. So mm. it, 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 it's it, it's not that they, you know, they're, You know, for the long term or that they, this is how you operate when you're at that scale. You need to be involved in everything because something might stick. And most of the things don't stick. Like a VC firm, right? You place a hundred bets, two or three of them get you the return in the fund. Everything else, you get a break even or it goes to zero.
0: True, true. Very interesting. So, So these are kind of like very small bets for these very large institutions. And, you know, they're not super worried about it but but just to give a little bit more context you know Deutsche bank filing for a crypto custody license uh finance giants edx markets so we got schwab sequoia paradigm citadel fidelity all launching an exchange um it is a lot of big oh i didn't even put it up on stream i was just reading to you guys but yeah uh <laughs> so we do have these big market movers moving into this space so i mean I feel like we pretty well established that for them, it's not that big of a deal, but we're still small fries over here. You know, we're still little guppies. How big of a deal do we really think this is going to be for us? So we, we saw that, you know, Bitcoin is up on the day. It's looking pretty nice. The whole market's up pretty nice, looking pretty good. Do we think this is momentum that can really hold off of these narratives? Like, is, is there any follow through action that we really expect to carry us even further, or is this just news hype getting people giddy? We think traycon I think. Oh, oh bebus you go ahead, dude.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I think people are a little giddy. Like, you know, I I still don't think the crypto market has the legs that it needs to, you know, run up mm. another cycle. I don't think, you know, the market as a whole, uh, you know, has that amount of liquidity that it can just breathe in and, and sustain this momentum. I I think, you know, all like any move in Bitcoin is going to create, you know, compounding trickle down effects just because that's how Binance traders work. That's how Coinbase traders work. You know, they're going to flip profits into something else, something else, something else. And and to be honest, it's like, you know, we see all this volatility in crypto. You know, a lot of the upside is is due to that volatility. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, at the moment, this is a little bit of a, a gambler's market um at least in my opinion maybe not as much as it was say five years ago but you know people are are going to be you know very active like it's it's a very high velocity market especially at the uh centralized exchange level so um do I do I think it will stick not necessarily I think probably it's still the same you know handful of billions of dollars you know cycling around everybody it's like in the artist communities, you're like, Oh, everybody's just passing around the same $20. This is like that, you know, times, you know, 500 million or whatever. So (laughs) yeah, I I, I don't think we're going to see sustained momentum, but I mean, we will see the effect of this. It's just, again, this isn't like, you know, instantly, Oh, a new paradigm. It's like, what's happening in China. It's like ushering in opportunity and ushering in kind of new endpoints. um, for liquidity to enter the system. And that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it's going to enter the system and then, you know, instantly, uh, you know, buy shit coins, it'll enter the system slowly, but surely, ideally, and then all the people taking profits on Binance on Coinbase are going to help kind of Move liquidity elsewhere and and get the market moving. And um, that's just you know that all these all these liquid funds are doing the same thing. They got their venture portfolios they need to pump. They got all their you know liquid portfolios they need to pump. It's it's just you know. So this
0: isn't a portfolio. this isn't a Prometheus coming down from Mount Olympus giving us fire, changing the whole world forever. This is uh no, just no, another no. small change,
1: <laughs> no, no, <laughs> another
0: boring sorry. shift in the tide. I get you.
1: The, the way I think of it, there's a couple of points I want to make here. The the first point is relevant across the whole discussion, and that is um, I believe we're going to start seeing some extreme divergence in, um, in the crypto markets in that things are going to get split into what's probably not a security and everything else that probably is a security, mm-hmm. right? So um, – that's the first thing. So when we're going to talk about the crypto market, let's make sure which part of the crypto market we're gonna we're gonna talk about. Like, how does this help, you know, Avalanche? How does it help Phantom? How does it help Polygon? Right? It doesn't. So does it help Bitcoin? Sure. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, those those that know me and uh, you know, over the last twelve to eighteen months on across the chains, I've I've been very public about, you know, I oscillate between net short and neutral when I have a negative macro view. The negative macro view being the global economy and global liquidity and how um, markets behave. So um, I, I, I'm either net short or I'm neutral. As things go down very violently, as they did over a week ago, I cover my shorts and I get to neutral. When there's a rally, I don't make any money, right? Um, sometimes I make a little bit of money because of the the, the short portfolio um, uh, and the long portfolio kind of diverging. But the idea is that as these rallies happen, Dracon eats bacon and eggs, right? When they dump, I buy lobsters. So oh, yeah. my view- <laughs> The Dracon I, I, food been, index.
0: So follow Drake Dracon and see what he's posting for lunch.
1: <laughs> the Dracon food index. So, um, which is, by the way, this is a mistake a lot of people make in crypto, where they're either long or short. It doesn't make sense, right? Things You're either in a positive environment or a negative environment. And if you're in a negative environment and you see a rally, then it's very, very dangerous to be long because you've got this huge overhang that is eventually going to um, put extreme pressure um, on the prices when there's bad news. So that's the environment I believe we've been in for a while. My view on the global economy is quite grim, as I've been um, pretty vocal about. And any relief rally, which can last months, um, I fade. So I haven't turned net short since I made a lot of money in the in, in, in the violent dumps um, over the last couple of weeks. Um, I haven't turned it short again. I'm still neutral, but I'm going to fade this move. When I see certain things come into place, I think there's a little bit more euphoria to dissipate. Um, but I'm going to fade it because the negative environment that we're operating in has not gone away because there's going to be an application for an ETF. These things take some time. You've still got... Um, you know, liquidity coming out of the system, all the market makers just left. So there's very little liquidity around. These are structural changes to the market that need to be worked out. Um, So I'd be very cautious. If you have a long bias, that's great. Um, But it's certainly not um, all sunshine and roses outside. All of these negative overhangs still exist. And um, there's lawsuits to be litigated as well, right? Apparently the DOJ isn't done. Um, Or he's just getting started. So I I can only assume that when that news drops, it's not going to be pretty. And we're going to see a lot of violent volatility. So whether Mm. you're you're bullish or bearish, caution is the name of the game over the next three to six months because no one can model this shit out.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, Nick, Dracon, I would, I would love to have you on when we're talking more specific, like just general macro talk. I feel like we could go for hours, dude, because uh, Sublaki asked a good question. Uh, what happens when the EU, UK or Asia classifies something differently compared to the U.S.? Because I have an idea that we're going to see the macroeconomic environment kind of splinter off more. As long as I've been alive <laughs> or as long as I've been paying attention, the U.S. has kind of been the leading financial pack leader, right? Like whatever's happening in the U.S. is going to dictate what's happening to all markets, more or less. But I think we're going to start seeing some changes in that uh, over the next couple of years. And I think Suvlaki's point is a good example of this. Like, how, how is this going to affect crypto markets going forward? But I don't want to get too into the weeds. But if you got something quick to tag onto that, I'm eager to hear it.
1: I I don't know. Um, but I, I think what Suvlaki potentially could be referencing, because we've discussed um this in the periphery um is you know the eu with mica fairly reasonable um legislation that looks to you know become mm-hmm. law and and when you read it you can understand it and and it seems to be fairly well thought out so um i don't know how that all all, all plays out i i don't know <laughs> i think i agree with you Corval, you with the first point around it's very hard to see the US not being the leader. Like mm-hmm. you could have the UK, Asia and Europe collectively come out with a, a set of rules and the US on its own have its a different set of rules. And maybe the de facto set of rules that everyone kind of, that the markets look to is the US set of rules. Even though like numerically, that doesn't make sense from any number of different <laughs> metrics. Um, but, but I don't know, maybe that changes, right? Um, the US is certainly faltering on a number of different levels and and you know the, the us dollar being a global currency being one a major one so maybe maybe row rest of the world starts to kind of lead and the us may have to take the back seat i don't know i'm not smart enough to work that yeah, out. yeah. A big question yeah i mean
0: i think like
2: really it is still inevitable that the us kind of dominates the narrative because um You know, in China right now, even with the uh, new legislation, the exciting new Hong Kong crypto legislation, like VC investment and like investment into startups, especially compared to the U.S., is pretty dead. Um, You know, all of the big Chinese capital bases have moved to Singapore. They're all investing in U.S. companies. And, you know, even even if the us just absolutely tries to annihilate every crypto company i still feel like it's probably going to be where things are are popping the most and it it has proven that to be the case time and time again it's like either okay you're you're in the cayman islands or whatever but you're still trying to be in the us it's like you beg, please, U.S., let me pay taxes and and be in your country and let me raise money there or whatever. Or you're just a U.S. company and you're like, F it, you know, we're going to try our best and, you know, use whatever trendy uh, legal framework that, you know, Paradigm mm-hmm. or, or Delphi Digital thunk up. Um, and, and I just don't think like unless there are serious cultural changes in China, unless the government like starts to throw its weight behind crypto and, and even behind tech investment in general, we're just not going to see them be. Like a, a cutting edge leader, no matter what. So, as unfortunate as it is, it's like why we're so boring with like the the oath token and and things like that. It's like unfortunately, like if if you want to be successful in longer time frames, you need to look at U.S. legislation and think hard about okay, where is this going in the next two years, and how can I not like totally invalidate all of our work um, just because you know people are in love with unregistered securities or whatever you mm-hmm. just it, it's too risky you can't do it and the u.s imo is just going to continue to dominate i can't yeah. see like any the anyone commercial else commercial
0: empire you got to play by their rules beavis that's pretty much what it boils down to if you want to yeah. play even, even bbi
2: and caymans like are are starting to legislate crypto and and the thing is like All of these, all of these little companies, all of these, it's not companies, all these little countries and and tax havens and whatnot, like they look to the U.S. for like legislative guidance. It's like, you know, okay, we're going to be slow. People are going to be able to do regulatory arbitrage here. But at the end of the day, like nobody wants crime to be happening in their country. Nobody wants bullshit happening in their country. Nobody wants scammers, you know, being housed in their country. And a lot of them look to the U.S. So, you know, vast legislation And BVI is something that everybody has been looking at. Um, And, you know, we're going to see these trickle down effects and things aren't going to get easier uh, regulatorily. They're just going to get harder and harder and harder. Mm -hmm. And and people need to understand that and plan for it. Um, It's it is inevitable. Um, And and it's just the way things are. And the U.S. is going to take the lead on that, as they always do, for better or worse,
0: for better or for worse. You know, one thing that I'd like to see the U.S. take a lead on, and I think one thing that I think we can all agree on in terms of regulation for the crypto space in general is for dealing with clowns like this, dude. uh, Oh, man, I (laughs) I should have that ready. That would have been so smooth. For clowns (laughs) like this, Kyle Davies, he's back, baby. 3AC is back. You would think in any kind of functioning market, a guy like this would not be able to just come back uh, after committing... Yeah, <laughs> millions of dollars of fraud. Um, you know, if you're a true DJ, maybe you're dancing. Maybe you're excited. You're thinking, wow, now we're going to get all-time highs again. The the infinite of money ball is back. He's just going to borrow a trillion billion dollars <laughs> and then make us all rich again. But uh, nice, what, do, what do you guys you. think about this? This is kind of <laughs> insane, right? Are, are you lending him money, Corval? I would never lend no. money. So, I wouldn't so, lend them a fucking dollar to buy a bottle of water.
1: I don't think there's a human alive that given the right information would lend these jokers a freaking cent. I think this is just them trying to remain relevant. They're living mm-hmm. in their own little bubble. We hear it because they've got an audience on Twitter, but none of this shit is real. None yeah. of this shit yeah. is going to is is going to amount to anything and it's um just an attention grab and and guys like this should just be ignored. Um, the big boys sure. that like, it's, this isn't good. And, and all we do, we talk about it. We amplify. I dunk on them, you know, every day on Twitter and, and, and I do it. And I'm like, I think that's what they want. They want the attention. Yeah. Be- Beavis made the point um, in the past. And I remember it from time to time after I do one of my dunks. And he said, these guys are performers. They're entertainers. That's exactly what they're here to do. And they've monetized the audience that they've generated through their entertainment. Um, yeah. And I, I think he's right. And I'd put Cole Davies in that in that category as well now. Oh, okay. And
2: And the thing is, like, you know, there have been psychological studies. A lot of people do stock market type shit. A lot of people trade. Certainly a larger percent of people doing crypto do it for entertainment more so than they do it. For any sensible financial reason, and of course they'll say, "Oh, it's it's for financial reasons." Of course, I'm trying to set up my future, and it's like, "Why are you buying?" You know, Shiba Poo Coin, you know, Shiba Po Conk, whatever. You know, it's, it's like yeah, uh, it's the
0: rush, the gambling rush, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And playing... these guys
2: are these guys are like the ringmasters, the clowns at the head of the show, like you know, whipping the balls like, and and getting everything
1: going. Risk adjusted returns, like anyone that knows what that means, right? Um, doesn't go broke these guys went went like pants down long and kept borrowing all the way down that's yeah. not what risk adjusted returns is right um so anyway uh let's not talk about these guys anymore I just get angry <laughs> <laughs> yeah i yeah. mean
0: I, I i feel what you guys are saying that that they thrive off the attention and but i I, this is a very philosophical discussion, but there's like the idea that if someone's coming out and they're just spouting garbage, you, you can ignore them or you can try and shut it down, right? And I think it, uh, ignoring it kind of allows it to fester a little bit. So I like to to point it out sometimes that this is just kind of like, it is ridiculous. It's it's hands down ridiculous. Yeah. It, it's like the, this is almost no different than what we are talking about before the show. The guys on TikTok that come out and they'll be like, buy, get like a credit card, run it up, then get another credit card, run it up. These are
2: TikTok. These are like if you gave TikTok guys like a million, a billion dollars. And the thing is, like, I bet all these people during the bull run ramped up their quality of life, like a hundred X they've got like, you know, $400,000 in bills a month. They're Mm -hmm. like shaking in their office chairs every day, trying to figure out, you know, how the hell they're going to make ends meet. And uh, you know, now, now they're here. And people are going to probably invest because, I bet you they have better deal flow than a lot of VCs out there just because oh. that they're the clowns at the front of
1: the show. I, I, I met with Kyle, right? Ooh. He he reached out when he was going to launch whatever it's called, OPNX, mm-hmm. um, and I took the meeting. I don't know if I've said this publicly, but um, it's true, so I don't mind saying it. And, you know, we, we we talked for, you know, a good 30 minutes, talked about the product, and eventually, like, i got to address the elephant in the room. I'm like, dude, everyone hates you. Everyone thinks you stole money. Um, why are you coming out back in public and trying to launch this thing again? Like, why do you want to put yourself through that pain? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, whether you did something wrong or not, I don't know. But it seems to me that you're, you know, you're just you're just purposely putting yourself out there to be a punching bag. And without skipping a beat, he kind of just, you know, looked me in the eyes over Zoom and said, I don't give a shit about the haters. I said, okay. Why? He goes, because I don't need to convince everyone to participate. All I need to do is to convince a small amount of people and we'll be successful. So he's like, you know, and I might be paraphrasing here that I don't care if everyone dunks on me. I've got a big enough audience that I only need a few people to believe in me and I've got a good business. So he mm-hmm. doesn't give a shit. Doesn't care about uh, about any of the negati- negativity because he realizes that um, they're not the people that are going to give him money. He only needs to find a few people to to ensnare
0: i don't need to convince a million people to give me a dollar i just need to convince a hundred suckers to give me ten thousand (laughs) dollars
1: it's a viable strategy it works
0: yeah i mean it that that does seem to be the model and i mean it did work hopefully it doesn't work this time i would love to see this crash and burn horrifically but you know faith in humanity being what it is i'm not too sure that's gonna happen I'm sure it'll be wildly successful.
1: Uh, I don't think so. I think think it's too far. I think it won't launch. Well, I know OPNX
2: is doing whatever, but I think whatever he's trying to do is just not going to get off the ground.
0: Yeah. Well, let's hope so because it is a big stain on the industry and it's a lot of egg on our face. You know, it's kind of hard to take crypto seriously when you see, you know, this kind of thing keep happening from an outsider perspective, you know? A lot of people there. There was a YouTube video I watched this, it had millions of views. It was about 3ac, and this is just normal. It was like a fairly known, well known YouTuber, not crypto focused at all, just talking about scams. And so, what people are hearing about crypto is they're like, oh, okay, like this is a regular thing that happens over there. A guy comes in, he borrows a million dollars, then leverages it up to another million, another hundred million, and it just keeps going and going and going. That's, that's what all of crypto is to them. Okay. Um, so. You know, bad for us. Hopefully, yeah, it doesn't launch. <laughs> but uh, speaking of like other accused fraudsters here, I, I want to be very careful with what I say. We got, I want to talk about Binance a little bit because Binance has been going through a super rough time. And, you know, they're still minting money, dude, though. So they seem to be doing all right. Well, what do you guys think about the Binance situation? Is it as bad as it seems or is it
1: worse? I think it's worse. Um, First of all, um, I'm a Binance customer. Their -hmm. product is fantastic. It's been (laughs) best in class for as long as I can remember. I've made an absolute fortune on there. Their products are great. You can get in and out. There's plenty of liquidity. Mm -hmm. Um, I press cash out. The money hits my bank accounts within hours, not overnight. Mm -hmm. It's been fantastic. Now, um, what did they have to do to reach that market dominance? Um, I've read the complaints, both from um, the, the the Trade Commission and from the SEC, and it doesn't look good, right? Um, and and when you read through it, you, you're thinking to yourself, sort of, is it plausible that these conversations happened? Is it plausible that these tactics were deployed? And the answer is absolutely yes, right? So I think you know they're in a lot of trouble. You can already see that countries around the world are pulling their registrations and pulling their mm. licenses and. And in isolation, it doesn't matter what, you know, Holland does or what Cyprus does or what Timbuktu does. But in aggregate, right, as all these things start to roll over, no one wants to be the last the the, the last country or the last jurisdiction um, supporting these guys. And it's just a very hard business environment for them to operate in. Um, so I think from a regulatory and a legal standpoint, it probably gets worse. Um, I... I actually think that, from a business standpoint, and you know, are they going to end up running off with the money? And is it going to be an FTX situation? From that standpoint, I have seen no evidence that would suggest that is the case. Um, I have money on Binance right now. There have been times in the last twelve months where I haven't because I shit myself like everybody else. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I I think from a business standpoint. Um, global regulators are going to try and decimate this business because they they thumb their noses at everyone, especially the US, and said, "Go pound sand." We're going to grab as much market share, um, and and then we're going to fight you when you come, and hopefully we're big enough to take you on. So they're pretty yeah. big, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they they they've been preparing for this. It's certainly not you know they're certainly not going to be pushovers, and 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 they're kind of very aggressive with their stance towards regulators. They're not like Brian Armstrong who kind of comes hat in hand and deploys a different strategy, they're like, come and get us. Um, so, you know, in that environment, yeah, I I, I think things get, things get a little worse from them uh, for them, but um, I think the money's there. But how the hell do I know?
0: <laughs> I mean, we got to trust CZ. Safe, funds are safe, right? I mean... I don't
1: trust anyone. <laughs> um, I, I, just, I just look at how they've performed mm-hmm. under extreme market duress, right? Yeah. And I put Tether in the same cap. Yeah, you can say whatever you want about Tether, but whenever the pushes come to shove, they haven't skipped the damn beat um, from mm-hmm. a from a you know functional standpoint. So Binance is the same, but it works till it doesn't, right? So, I mean, everyone should be proceeding with caution on all these things.
2: Well, yeah. do you want to know who else uh, performed really well under extreme market duress, Uh-oh. a well-known figure in finance?
0: Who's that? Bernie
2: Madoff. Mm -hmm. um as the market maker of last resort and i think you know and and i also think binance is cool you know (laughs) i don't use binance but i think you know they they show a clear progression toward compliance even though it's like way more mild than anybody else they're obviously wanting to be legitimate and though they you know broke a bunch of eggs to get to this point um you know they they put on a respectable front which you know, that's all I see. So that's all I care about. I'm not a user. I'm not an investor or whatever. Um, but when you think about Tether and you think about Binance, if you like, if if you have nothing to lose, being okay, the money isn't there. Being okay, we're committing crime and and it, we're too far gone to actually like do anything about it. If if that's the case, then it reasons to believe that why not just like be that market maker of last resort? Why not just try to be the ultimate paragon uh, of the industry that you can be? Because like, it's kind of like when you think about like something like nihilism, it's like, if you think nothing matters, then you can either one uh, give up or two, if nothing matters, why not just try your absolute hardest to, to make it work? And, and, you know if the money's not there then it's clear that Binance would would be trying their absolute hardest to make it seem like it is there because um, what's the what's the downside like they the money's not there anyway so the upside is infinite but the downside is oh we go to jail anyway which is always going to be a possibility so why not just like put everything on the table I um and and you know so i i'm not going to make assumptions about you know whether tether is as capitalized as they claim to be i'm not going to make assumptions about you know whether binance is as legit as they claim to be because that's how like the biggest frauds happen you know it's it's people are able to play the part mm-hmm. um so i'm just sitting and watching and waiting um and you know the thing is like the only DeFi or, or the only finance application I use right now is like Ethos Reserve. You know, um, <laughs> you know, uh, you're talking about eating your own dog food, and and it's like, you know, I I am at a point where, like anything that is tr- traditional, especially in the crypto space, like I just add like a ten x fraud multiplier. You know, so you know if if you can assume like you know okay this finance finance company, maybe there's a 0.1% chance, you know, they're doing fraud or a 0.5% chance they're mm-hmm. doing fraud. If it's crypto, you know, maybe multiply that by 10, maybe multiply <laughs> that by a hundred. Um, and to me, it's just like, you know, not worth it. I'm I like, I don't need a bunch of money. I don't mm-hmm. need access to a bunch of tools. All literally, all I want to do is be able to work, do a good job and live, you know, and anything beyond that. It's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not here to roll the dice on, know a a company that i don't know and maybe one day i'll I'll know uh, a centralized exchange personally you know and i'll be able to access their books and i'll put my money on there and get excited about it but after after ftx after all of the like total failures it's like binance had the most exposure people had the most leverage on binance you know could they have made it through 2022 unscathed definitely not we just don't know how deep those cuts go, and and they oh, have enough clout, they have enough leverage, they have enough everything to fabricate uh, a book. Um, I I think you know, and and the same with tether. It's like they can they can make things seem however they want to at the end of the day. And um, so I'm, maybe
0: I'm to Dracon's point, you know, Binance was so big, but at post FTX, they're weak enough that now they can be kind of taken down more effectively um but that's not to say whether or not their practices are legitimate or not that's still yet to be seen i mean you Uh, think
2: about that that ftt thing mm -hmm. that cz did like bruh like (laughs) and he's like we never that's not your. that's not your innocence that's like that's like some shit you do when you're like all right only one of us is gonna live that's like he, they're on the they're on the door after the Titanic and FTT or, or FTX is like Rose hanging on and CZ's just like sorry ho and, <laughs> and just slaps it right off. Yeah. And that's like and and that's not the sort of behavior that a company that is not afraid will do. And mm-hmm. and I think they felt fear in that moment and like they acted on it and they were able to absorb a bunch of market share. They were able to, you know. Entrench their position even deeper. But at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I ask why and, and was it enough? Um, and those questions may never be answered. Maybe they'll be answered by these lawsuits, but yeah. um, they're very big questions. And, uh, you know, that's so, why we build on DeFi.
0: <laughs> so, so to give a little bit of context here too. So I got this article pulled up, Binance Australia stops bank transfers as they're looking for a payment partner uh binance subsidiary uh cancels their application to register with the uk um and obviously binance us is pulling out of uh the us right there it's essentially shutting down for the well, most you also part.
1: corbel you also they they you can't get pounds off Binance if you're in the uk that oh. that's like a couple months old okay and i haven't been able to get euros off Binance for oh. probably about six weeks Mm-hmm. So the, the AUD component of that um, is the latest shooter fall. But this has been going on for a couple of months where mm-hmm. where the payment providers don't want the heat.
0: Mm-hmm. So they're
1: telling Binance, we can't process your transactions for you. Um, so that's what I meant earlier about this cascading effect yeah. where, you know, um, it kind of spirals out of control and no one wants to do business with you because mm-hmm. you're not you're in toxic. business.
2: Yeah, you're toxic. Man.
1: You might so, be you
2: might be off ramping funny money, you know. It's like that's oh, yeah. that's why you that's why you cut it off. It's like are these people, you know, giving us monopoly money right now? Like mm-hmm. what's what's the deal? And you don't want to be holding that bag, you know. Fair yeah monopoly I mean, money ain't ain't cool when you're not <laughs> playing monopoly. I'll tell you that. It like. Makes
0: makes perfect sense here. I'm kinda I, I wanna go in this direction here. So we've got we got two scenarios. I mean, there's infinite number of scenarios in between these two, but let's say the best possible case scenario is there's no denying right now binance is in a tough position you can't move money off of binance in uh almost any commonwealth country uh so best case scenario this is like echoes a previous bull cycle binance gets hit with a lot of fud then they bounce back and now we're we're really back baby it was over (laughs) but now we're really back worst case scenario let's talk about it Binance is dead as hell <laughs> it's never coming back how bad how devastating how destructive do we think that will be uh for crypto as a whole let's let's do doomsday man like is it all over or are we looking 90 over
1: <laughs> there's there's plenty of competition there's plenty of avenues for you to gamble a lot um I I you know it's this isn't news right like um sure, the news continually gets worse because it becomes official. but um, first of all, it won't go away tomorrow. It'll be a mm-hmm. gradual bleed. And yeah. as that happens, people find other options like you know, my friends in the UK they can they've found other ways to get their on-chain money off chain now. Mm-hmm. I do the same with euros. I'm sure uh, friends in Australia are working it out. So I don't think it will have a material effect because it won't be quick and everyone else can adjust to absorb that market share. And there'll be other exchanges that pop up, legal and illegal, Mm -hmm. that are looking to make a quick buck. So from that standpoint, I don't think it affects the industry um, at all over over a tail duration, but you will see these violent um, price movements Mm -hmm. uh, oscillating around the news flow. And that just provides traders like me with opportunities. But from an industry standpoint, there's plenty of ways to uh, to 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 transact and Binance is not the only game in town.
0: Yeah, I gotta tell you, Nick, I you know, usually you're the most bearish, most harsh. So this makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs>
2: I mean, on I this, think I this- think all they yeah. like they should probably downsize, they should probably re-entrench themselves in their core markets and they should switch focus to compliance and they should probably as as you know, difficult as it is, uh, replace some of their executive staff, um, and, and, and they will just... need
1: to change their product. Justin, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The, the 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 a lot of the product would need to be changed. Um, it's way too e- way too easy to to get a ton of leverage on there. So they yeah. need to kind of you know come into compliance on that standpoint as well, which just means they'll make less money. Um, yeah. But you know, X Y Z exchange will pop up right? With, with a license in, 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 you know, Curacao and they're going to offer a hundred X leverage, right? I mean, you've got yeah. Rollbit doing, you know, um, things that are much worse than what Binance was doing before and they're operating fine. So, you know, when there's money to be made, options will be made available. And, yeah. but it's bad for Binance. Like if you're a Binance shareholder, you're looking for secondary today, if you can get it <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah.
0: Wild. Well, fantastic, man. Well, I think that's some pretty good news coverage there. I kind of want to switch tracks to our last topic here. This is very Nick Dracon focused here. because uh, I love this thread, dude. How to make money. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> how to make money in any market. <laughs> um, I saw this thread and I really kind of want to explore a little bit of the power of Revelo Intel, dude, because I didn't know I didn't I have Revelo Intel. I didn't know that this was possible, dude. That you're giving away game for free on there. <laughs> Not for free, but giving away game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to walk through the
1: strategy a little bit, and kind of your reasoning behind it. Yeah. So, you know, Revelo Intel is a, is a research platform. And some of the research we provide um, does not contain any opinion. It doesn't contain any analysis or any bias. Like we summarize podcasts and interviews from hundreds of entities in crypto. And that, that's not an editorial product. We break down projects and explain how they work. That's not an editorial product, there's no opinion. But we launched a product called analyst insights which Mm -hmm. is opinionated where me and uh, a couple other guys on the team look for situations around the crypto markets that we think are interesting trades and we write them up um and you know we provide our case for why we think something's going to happen we provide positive catalysts negative catalysts we outline the 18 ways that we could be wrong right we look at all the range of outcomes that we can potentially foresee and then we weigh them up. So it's it's what you would expect to see in a hedge fund when you write up an investment memo, you go to the partners, you pitch them the idea, you say, hey, can I have 18 million to put this trade on? And they say, yeah, that's a great idea or no, you're an idiot. So it kind of looks a little bit like that, um, but a lot simpler so that everyone can understand what it is. So when I put this thread up the other day, it was basically a shameless plug yeah. on that product, right? <laughs> that, you know, this product exists. Um, it's not a it, It's not a signal product. We don't tell you to buy at this level and not buy at that level and short at that level but we explain our thought process and these things are 15 to 25 pages long they go into great depth and last Thursday we published an idea um, that was long the ant token so that's Aragon DAO mm-hmm. um, and short ETH against it now this is not a new trade I have personally had it on for a couple of months um, it's been advertised all over Twitter um, a lot of very large accounts and big investors have been in on this trade, um, and the idea is there's there's. Let me just kind of go back a little bit, where you've got these huge treasuries, these these mm-hmm. DAOs that raised millions and millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, during the bull market, um, and you've got you know five or six people that run these treasuries um, in 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 certain structures with certain governance. Aragon um, has a couple hundred million in their treasury. And what they've got is it's run by the foundation. Now, a year ago, more more than a year ago, they they had a vote, right? Token holders voted and said, you know, we want to transfer that treasury outside of the control of the foundation, which is a group of individuals, um, and put it into a DAO that can be controlled by token holders. So the difference there is that once it's in the DAO controlled by token holders, token holders can vote what to do with the money.
0: Mm-hmm. And what are
1: they going to do? They're going to say, "Well, maybe we should buy back the token because the token's trading at a fifty percent discount." So what the team wants to do is not do that. Why? Because they're each making seven figure salaries and they're, you know, they 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 want to stay employed by yeah. the DAO. So you've got this tug of war. Mm-hmm. And there's dozens of these projects around crypto and yeah you know, there's, there's a word for it they call it you know um real free value or whatever it's analogous to what was happening in the 80s and some of the 90s on wall street where you had these corporate raiders as they were called yeah that would go in and look at businesses that were publicly listed that um you know had these balance sheets and had terrible management and what they worked out is if they could buy enough shares oust the management and then and then sell off the assets of the company, you would get a higher residual value than what you bought the stock for, right? Yeah. So,
0: so what Buffett you had was,
1: that. well, you know, you could do a ton of it back then. Now you can't do it because the market's a lot more sophisticated. But effectively, this Aragon trade is very simple. They have 180 million in their treasury. I'm using numbers from last Thursday. They've changed because the market's mm-hmm. pumped in the last few days, but it, it's, it doesn't really matter. But 180 million in the treasury. 100 million is ETH, okay? And 50 million is stable coins,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? Um, And then they've got 25 or 30 million on top of that in DeFi coins, right? Some of it is the Ant token and some of it is other tokens. But um, it, it was trading at $120 million market cap. So if you exclude all the DeFi crap, all the shit coins, they've got 150 million in ETH and in stable coins. And you can buy it all for 120 million And you've got a 25 or $30 million call option on the rest of the shit coins not going to zero, right? So the token trades at a huge discount to net asset value, right? This is not a new concept. This, you Mm -hmm. know, exists in a lot of publicly listed equities today. But it trades at a discount for a reason. It trades at a discount because the seven or eight or how many people control the treasury today. And they don't want to hand it over, right? Yeah. so you've got a lot of hedge funds and some big investors that have gone in and bought a bunch of these tokens to put pressure on the team to deliver on the promise that they made a year ago to transfer control of those funds to the Dow. And when they do that, token holders like myself um, are going to vote for buybacks to then bridge that discount and bring the token value in line with the treasury and everybody makes a lot of money. Now, this has happened before. Um, mm-hmm. Temple Dow is a is, is a is a recent situation where this works so this is like a mini industry that's kind of Mm -hmm. developed around DeFi, um and and this trade was very very simple now as it relates to how to make money in in markets regardless of whether they're up or down what i try and find is a good idea long or short and then a way to hedge it because what i'm trying to do is isolate the risk that i want to take right so there's various risks that exist You've got general market risk. If Mm -hmm. I own Oath, because I think Beavis is going to make it work, right? Um, But I'm just long Oath. Now, I've taken on general market risk because if CZ gets indicted, right, and Coinbase loses their their lawsuit, the market tanks. Guess Mm -hmm. what tanks with it? Oath. So when I'm only long Oath, I've taken general market risk. I've also taken, um, you know, uh, I've taken chain risk, right? Where is the majority of the of the TVL of 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 oath? I've also taken Beavis risk, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so you take all these different <laughs> layers of risk, and and what hedging allows you to do is to hedge out some of those risks you don't want to take, mm-hmm. right? So if I think, and I don't want to use, I'll stop using oath as the example. Um, let's use let's use this current trade as an example. So because there's $100 million of Ethereum on the balance sheet of the Ant token, I buy Ant long and I short ETH against it. I'm not doing that because I'm bearish ETH. I'm not doing it because I think ETH is going to go down. What I'm doing is I'm trying to hedge out the market risk. So I've got the Ant token and then I'm, I'm short ETH against it. If Coinbase loses there, you know, some bad news happens and the market dumps, right? My Ant token goes down because it owns a lot of ETH, but Mm -hmm. ETH goes down with it. So I don't lose any money and I've hedged out the market risk. The risk that I want to take is that eventually the legal pressure and the investor pressure and the community pressure gets to the team and they eventually have to do a deal with investors so that they hand over the money to the Dow and then the discount can shut. So that's the risk that I want exposure to. Maybe that doesn't work. Maybe these Mm -hmm. fuckers work out how to hold on to the money indefinitely and I lose my money. But that's the risk I want to take. I don't want to bet on the price of Ethereum or the price of Bitcoin. So that's a simple pairs trade that lets you isolate the risk. And since we put that trade on on Thursday, um, uh, the Ant token, well, it's up almost 40% now, whereas Mm -hmm. Ethereum is up only 10%. So with taking very little risk, you've Mm -hmm. managed to make a delta of 30%. That's how professional traders and hedge funds actually run their books. So, um, you know, we'll be talking a lot more about that at Revelo Intel. I'll be doing more threads about it. But the idea is, remember we're talking about Cole Davies and risk adjusted returns? (laughs) That's risk adjusted returns, right? What was the return that you gained in accordance with the risk that you took? And I took very little risk and we took very little risk on that trade. So, I'll pause there and happy to answer some questions. on. Dude, That's fantastic. That that's gold.
0: That's what know? I'm talking about. Free game. Cause that, that is gold. Um, cause we talk about hedging a lot and we talk about all these different ways to hedge. Uh, we were talking about options previously and we we're talking about, you know, um, futures and how you can use those to hedge. We didn't get too in depth with, but I think Nick, this is a really great example. Do you think, uh, so like for, let's say we're doing stocks. Let's use like stocks as an example, right? Like, say like the Dow, like just all stocks take a hit, like the Dow goes down or whatever, right? Um, but I want to long, say like Apple or whatever. How, do I, let how me would an, I...
1: Yeah, let, me, let me give you an example, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you've done a bunch of work, okay? Mm-hmm. And you're on, on you know, consumer apparel, right? You've done a bunch of work on Nike. And mm-hmm. your view is that Nike's got this new shoe that's coming out that's gonna you know, um, light the world on fire, Um, they're going to sign a bunch of new superstars that are coming out of the NBA draft. And you're extremely bullish on Nike outperforming over the next 12 months. Now, Mm -hmm. here are your options. You can buy Nike. Full stop. Now, what you've done is you've got Nike and maybe Nike is going to blow their earnings out of the water. Maybe they're going to have a fantastic year, right? But maybe um, the market goes down. And as a result, Nike goes down with it. You're taking on mm-hmm. the market risk. So how would you hedge that position? You say, okay, great. Here are my options. I can have long Nike and then I can short the S&P 500 against it.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So now I've hedged out general market risk, but what other risks am I still taking on, right? You're still taking on category risk. You're yeah. exposed to the consumer apparel business, right? Maybe mm-hmm. that slows down, right? Maybe people stop wearing clothes or you know, whatever <laughs> it is, right? Well, Actually, here's a good one. Maybe you're going into a global recession Mm -hmm. and people are going to have less discretionary income, so they're going to buy less $250 sneakers and $80 hoodies, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. right? But your view is that Nike is still going to take a disproportionate amount of share compared to what it had last time. So what do you do? Well, maybe you short Under Armour against your Nike long position. So now you've hedged out general market risk and you've hedged out category risk and you've isolated the risk that you want which is what that Nike kicks under Armour's ass next year
0: fantastic yeah this is good stuff this is making sense to me here now and you can even get maybe even more uh isolated right if you were to maybe go into commodities that are going into say nike's like production line right like maybe shorting some like leather or something i don't know um
1: yeah Yeah, i mean it gets
0: freaking cool dude i love this stuff Because it's like a game.
1: (laughs) It becomes really fun, right? Because, you know, you you, you think about causalities. You think about Mm. linkages. You think about, you know, you press this button. What are the second and third order order effects of that? And that's what professional investors and traders actually do all day. They don't draw Mm. lines on charts, right? And this was pissing (laughs) me off about crypto because...
0: (laughs) Reading the There are so leaves.
1: many so many opportunities to place these pair trades and have a hedge book in crypto where you can make stupid returns because the yeah. long night short Under Armour trade is obvious and everyone will have it on, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, um, maybe you're really bullish on, you know, I don't know, GMX V2, right? Um, and you think that's going to, you know, change the game and they're going to maintain their market share. And you're like, great, well, I'm going to short... SNX against it because I think Synthetics V3 is a piece of shit, yeah. right? If you yeah. have that skill and you can make that determination, right, mm. um, There, the, the, there isn't market saturation for that kind of analysis. So you'll be one of the, you know, 20 people in DeFi that gets it to that level. You place a huge bet and, and you've got this, you know, uh, perfectly balanced position that hedges out all of the risk Except that GMX is going to kick synthetics' ass. And you can do it with stupid leverage with perks. So, you know, um, making money consistently every month in DeFi, uh, regardless of what the price of Bitcoin does, is easy if you know what the hell you're doing.
0: Yeah. And that's the key part. Know what the hell you're doing. And the best way to do that, Revelo Intel.
1: Yeah, you, it, it, well, um, we'll be we'll be talking about these things right we're still not going to tell you what to buy and sell when i'm not going to show you my portfolio but we have these discussions we write long form reports explaining these thought processes, so that so that you know teach a man to fish and he'll never go hungry guys right mm-hmm. um once these things are explained to you and you see a few examples it's not rocket science um and for people that have the desire to do their own work like revelo intel subscribers um it's really valuable um, but if you want shortcuts and you want me to tell you what to do, um, you know, it's not going to work out for you.
0: Stick to the stick to the lines on the charts then, right? If you're looking for the shortcut. <laughs> yeah, um, good luck. <laughs> I, I thought this was a pretty good question here. Um, so Rossler's asking, essentially, I, if I'm understanding his question, uh, what are the relative sizes for your long and short then? Like, are you doing approximately the same size on both the short and the long position? Or is it That's kind of question. like...
1: right? So the way it works in equities um, is there's a thing called beta. And, and what beta is, is you look at the S&P 500, which is, you know, the the, the benchmark of choice. Um, so you call that the market. And, mm-hmm. and beta is a value um, that oscillates around one. So if an equity, if Apple has a beta of one, that means for every percentage point the S&P 500 moves, then Apple moves a, 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 the same 1% um, percentage. Mm-hmm. So when you're putting together a long short portfolio, you want to make sure that you beta weight the portfolio. What that means is if I've got a long with a beta of one, right? And I've got a short with a beta of two, that means that my sizing needs to be different because I don't Mm -hmm. want to be imbalanced. Right. And, and then the, the question then becomes, well, if you're long something with a beta of one and short something with a beta of three, Maybe that's not a pair that you should put on because it's not very capital efficient, right? So you want to look for for similar assets to pair together from a from a, a from a beta aspect because you don't want to have these imbalances in the position sizes. But that that's kind of technical. There's no real precise way to do it. I've seen hedge funds that you know they've got three PhDs trying to rebalance these things every day. Um, <laughs> I use I use a spreadsheet and I just you know try my best not to get caught out. Um, mm-hmm. it's a lot harder to do in DeFi. We had a really good discussion about this with um Steven, the calculator guy, um, in in his Discord. You know, he's he's got the DeFi Dojo Discord, it's, it's fantastic, but they do a lot of delta neutral type discussions and having a pairs trade in 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 DeFi where you don't have a benchmark, right? Um, what are you gonna benchmark it to? Bitcoin, ETH, 50% mm-hmm. of each. So I do it manually, um, where I use a 50-50. A, a bucket of, of Bitcoin and ETH—that's my benchmark—and then I manually calculate the beta, and I try and work out how to pair up assets together and position size so that I don't, I don't get caught out. But that, that's kind of technical. I mean, you don't really need to go that far, um, but um, it's certainly important, especially when when you're managing a portfolio of you know ten or twelve positions like I do.
0: Fantastic. There's a, that's a, some really good information too. I've heard beta before you know but putting into practice never been something i actually did but this is some good information yeah Hi recommend you, you guys i mean DeFi dojo is good too De- definitely check out DeFi dojo because the calculator guy's got a lot of good info revel yeah, into yeah. as well um develop those skills you know because like drake on saying my personal feeling lots of those chart guys that's just like chumming the waters a little bit it's astrology it's astrology yeah. it's astrology <laughs> for men that's what no you really <laughs> yeah yeah I
1: I I haven't met a professional trader right that works at a serious shop mm-hmm. that uses technical analysis for more than 5 or 10% of their process it doesn't exist right no mm-hmm. one does it anyone that trades off charts is a machine they're kind of good at it but humans humans or not, regardless of what, you you know, I'll get hate for this, but, you know, I'll get a DM saying I'm an idiot. But, yeah, good luck. I'm eating lobster. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. I think probably the first time that I, like, uh, was really, like, the first time I ever understood these ideas was when I read Big Ideas, uh, ARK Invest's uh, annual report, wherein they would talk about their Tesla long, and then they would talk about, what goes into making a tesla car you've got batteries you've got uh you know the manufacturing process you've got steel you've got whatever so if if you're like okay the the way tesla meets their quarterly goal is battery technology grows you know to a certain degree to allow the cars to travel further and meet some sort of benchmark for demand so you could potentially hedge out the risk of them not meeting that that mileage benchmark or whatever longing Tesla shorting batteries you can essentially take Mm. this you know big machine take every aspect of it and strip away that that risk um and I I think that was the first time uh my my like jaw opened up and I still don't trade because I don't think I would be that good at it nor have (laughs) the time to do it but uh, something I read yesterday, basically entirely in in Nick's voice, um, was the paper "The Only Game in Town." Have you ever read that, Nick?
0: Hmm.
2: It's it's about market making, and and I'm going to steal the the block bites uh, uh, account to share it, but um, it's essentially a paper talking about. Um, the, the psychological and social dynamics of market making and of trading. And I, I, it was cracking me up because it was just like, uh, like Nick, Nick could have, could have written this if you were like an academic guy instead of a trader and, uh, it would have been funny, but yeah, well,
1: uh, well, really good a, 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 a lot of where these ideas came from was, you know, papers like that, like this stuff's not secret. You walk into any investment bank, any hedge fund, any prop trading firm, this is like week one initiation. These are the kinds of things they tell you. You just don't hear about it on TikTok or on Twitter because the people doing this stuff are busier at their desks printing money, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Um, But yeah, I'm still like an observer. I'm like a trader-like fan. I don't... It's like when you're a fan of basketball, but you've never played or played seriously (laughs) Uh, so it, the dynamics are, are so amazing and learning the math that underpins markets is um, one, of the, one of the more fun applications of, of math and calculus. I, so. I think
1: given, given, given the appropriate training, um, you'd be a fantastic trader, Justin, only because, um, you know, I, I just think you've got the temperament for it. Like, you know, you, it, it, it's, it's for you to be a video game, right? Um, once we could get you over the fear of losing money and, and convince you that it wasn't real money and it was monopoly money, if we could do <laughs> that and trick your mind, I think, I, I, I think you'd be really dangerous. Um, Hell cause yeah. the way, just cause of the way you, you, you kind of architect things in your mind, but, but my, my impression of you is that, you know, you know, you, you don't want to lose money and you'd be, you'd, you'd be scared. You'd be scared uh, uh, about that, so we, we'd need to drug you on that. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. All, all this, all this, all this study just applies in the form of risk management, which is like uh, much less exciting than <laughs> trading. But Maybe. yeah, it's. Uh... Maybe one day. One day I'll I'll do it and I'll lose all my money in one day. And it'll be like wow.
0: <laughs> or you can win so much money in one day. drive Whoa. you insane.
2: <laughs> it's like that picture of the gambler, like, you know, every gambler quits right before he's gonna hit the jackpot. Oh uh, yeah. This might be the
0: beginning of the Beebish trader arc. Let me just make Let's another see.
1: point that that I thought of while while Justin was talking about, you know, um his views on Binance and, 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 and Tether and, and, you know, what happened with Madoff and things like that. The, 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 the proliferation of the TradFi institutions coming into the space is a huge positive on that level. Right. Because, um, you know, I'm going to have no problem, you know, uh, having money on deposit at, um, at Fidelity and, you know, mm. at, at these institutions, right? Because I know that, first of all, you know, their books are kind of open. But second of all, they're too big to fail, right? You know, yeah. this is their business. And if they did screw it up and they lost 18 billion of customer funds, they'll be fine, right? Yeah. And yeah. and I They've think- They've got another three three 3.5 trillion ready to go. Yeah. yeah. They lose money all the time. They get fined hundreds of, you know, tens of billions of dollars. They- uh, and 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 they're still around. So I think the, the 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 confidence level in the general market for being able to participate. Once you decide you want to participate, that's a challenge. But once you decide you want to participate, now your choices are not Coinbase or Binance or Gemini. Now you can go to Fidelity. You can go, you know, to these institutions where you're already on deposit. You already do business with them, and um and I think that potentially has has the potential to, to move markets because yeah. um, that confidence factor, I think, impedes a lot of reasonable people, a lot of dentists, a lot of lawyers, a lot of, you know, just normal people that have day jobs that might, you know, trade some equities in their spare time and understand how to manage their money. And they don't put money on Coinbase or Binance or any of that stuff because they saw what happened with FTX. So there's yeah. some very positive... Um, implications to, to having these guys in the space. I get that it's against Mm -hmm. the DeFi ethos and the crypto ethos and they're the enemy and all these things. But um, if you want your bags to go up, you want these people (laughs) in the game and maybe they do end up owning it, right? Maybe they do end up owning it and maybe Coinbase, um, you know, struggles and maybe they control this category. Um, But, you know, such is life. That's what DeFi is for. But yeah. for centralized trading and institutional money, um, I want my money with Fidelity, not with Binance or Coinbase for that matter. And by the way, I still own my Coinbase bonds. I'm not a Coinbase <laughs> bear, right? I think it's a good trade. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm persisting. Um, but uh, the fact remains, I still trust my money more with Fidelity than I do with Coinbase. Totally.
0: Yeah, fair enough. So, I mean, I guess it, it, the idea that, you know, it's going to be up only because they're going to buy all your coins. Probably not true, but it might be up a little bit up generally because of security, right? Like the, the of it mind. makes, it makes the, the playground safe enough for more people to come out and play is really the, at the, the end of the day, like
2: onboarding costs are going to drop. The mm-hmm. hurdle rate of crypto is going to go way down and that's just how it is. And decentralization will always be a spectrum. And if we want the market to be mature and we want mass adoption and we want universal access to crypto, then we need to understand that we're going to have the absolute most centralized players. We're going to have the absolute most decentralized players and we're going to have everything in between. Um, and, and and everybody's and, risk profile will be addressed that way.
1: And And also, like, if you just think about, you know, what what happens next if you're interactive brokers right um you've got all this capital sitting in your accounts if i can trade in and out of bitcoin from my ib account without having a different account with a different um a different broker like that pool of capital Right. If you're sitting there and you've got, you know, you've got a bankroll of a million dollars or something and you're trading equities. And now all of a sudden, in addition to the 30 equities that you trade, now there's a Bitcoin ETF in there, right, that you can just seamlessly get in and out of. Some of that capital flows there. Um, mm. So, look, I, 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 I think that, you know, that that's a positive, it's a positive development.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love to end it on a positive note, fellas. Uh, We kind of went over a little bit, but you guys were on a roll, and I was loving every minute of it. I think it was a great show. And, uh, you know, ending on a positive note, so good, especially from from Dracon. Yeah, Yeah. I want to thank (laughs) you guys for coming on. Dracon, Revelo, Intel, Bebus, Ethos, Reserve. Thank you guys so much. We got to have you guys back on more regularly. That was a fun fun show. I feel like we got a lot out of it. And also, most importantly, (laughs) thank you to the audience. Thanks to you for everyone for tuning in. Remember to like and subscribe, retweet us. Check out Revelo Intel. Check out Ethos Reserve. Check out Block bytes Discord, and uh, Corval's Twitter. Yeah, shoot, hit me up, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, so thanks again, everyone, for coming. And Emmett, let's close it out, dude. We got a rap song or something? <laughs> uh, just play me out, dude. Close it out. <laughs>